0: Welcome back, listeners. Thank you for joining us tonight in the Creepy Pasta Book Club, the podcast where we read, analyze, and discuss significant creepypastas, no-sleeps, and web horror flash fiction. We are your hosts, Jonah and Wednesday. And today, we finish Vox and King Bo, from Bo and the Dream King to the end. Vox often dreamt of Bo. He had been to the dream-fields and seen the dream-catchers, ravenous beings who fed on snatches of human imagination. When he crossed the field, they tried to eat him, but were stopped by the dream-king, brother of the moon. The darkness was encroaching on the dream-kingdom, and he recruited Bo to help fend it off. The two of them ventured underground to cut off the rotting dark at its source, the giant worm and the moon's other brother, the nightmare-king. They battled until Bo snatched away the worm's heart and took control. Bo spared the moon's treacherous brother, but sent out a call to all the catchers that they must fight back, and so the catchers began to battle the darkness and sustain themselves on it, leaving the dreams for Bo to gather as he wished. Vox does a Q&A. Her life was normal before this started. Bo doesn't look human, but she doesn't know how else to describe him. Vox isn't sure whether she truly mattered to him or was only ever a prize, a topic of serious debate on the thread. She isn't feeling well. She sleeps all day after the Q&A and is having terrible headaches and ringing in her ears. Beau loved hide-and-seek. He encouraged her to go hide and see who found her first. She settled herself in a remote part of the house, and after some time, something arrived. It had the voice of her grandmother, but breathed inhumanly, menacing closer and closer until Beau finally arrived and frightened it away. Afterwards, it was Vox's turn to seek. She thought she had found him right away, in the old tool-shed, hiding under a tarp. But she caught the reflection of a strange dark face on a saw-blade, and left. She gave up the game. Vox wakes up on her kitchen floor. When she was little, she was terrified of the scene in Pinocchio of the children being turned into asses. She tried to tell Beau about it, and he claimed he would never let such a thing happen to her. But that's it. Vox can't remember any more, any way to tie it together. She tears up her apartment in a fit, barely able to control her own body— she only stops and that thick silence falls, and Bo comes to her. She must do something now before her voice is lost forever. She calls her mother seeking comfort, but experiences an acute aphasia, only able to repeat her mother's words. One night, Vox had a nightmare. She asked why Bo hadn't brought her a good dream. He told her that one day very long ago, there was a human who could walk in the darkness. To warn her away, and keep her and all the other humans locked in their world, the dark and the night invaded her mind as she slept, to teach her fear. Vox smokes pot to ease her nausea, and prompt another visit from Bo. She tries to sing to him, but because she brings weapons, salt and an iron nail, he lashes out at her, that she is not a hunter and will ruin everything. She lashes back, calling him pathetic, and Bo actually laughs. She remembers something. As a kid, Vox loved hanging out with her uncle Joe, who was never condescending to her about Beau. He looked after her and her brother one summer, and his girlfriend Amber joined them. Vox hated her. She could tell something was just wrong with her. Beau told her that Amber may not be human, and they must do something about her. Beau stole her necklace, and Vox caught the blame, and she realized then that nobody really believed in Beau. He and Vox got in a fight, and she proclaimed that nothing here belonged to him that was the last time she saw him until now Beau is anxious she realizes because whatever is happening to her is not supernatural she's sick and he can't understand what to do to save her and because vox is weak he thinks she can't either but vox is stronger than he realizes she gets her ct scan she has a tumor on her temporal lobe as she suspected for some time They plan to do surgery, and possibly chemo. However, the location of the tumor doesn't explain her sleepwalking or her conversations with Beau. Fearing she might lose her voice or her memories, or die, she decides to tell more of Beau's stories. Beau stumbled upon a strange woman in the dark plains, lured to her house by the voice of a crying child. The child snatcher sent her children to steal humans from their beds, and took them to her home, where she could transform them. The others she ate... Bo defeated her by tossing her in a giant oven and disposed of the rest of her children the same way. The remaining human child, he returned to his parents, keeping his voice as payment. Bo knows why the stars shine. The moon in his heart ached no matter how many treasures his hunters brought him, and so he wandered out into the far beyond, a vast, empty no-man's land, and threw himself into it. The stars found him in the depths of darkness and showed him that the moon reached out her light to search for him. He fell back to Earth as a comet. The stars shine to let you know that they love you too. A few months after what she thought would be her final update, Vox posts again. She's had a successful surgery, but it left her with minor brain damage, and she struggles to speak. She can still write, and is learning ASL, and her speech therapy is helping, but the paranormal experiences continue. Since she had to leave her job, she decides to go and stay with a friend, Alan. One night, he passes by her room and sees her asleep straining off the bed, desperately finger-signing H-E-L-P. In her dream, she was surrounded by an inky blackness, pawing at her and squeezing her to bursting. One night, as they drive home, they crest a hill and stop short, when a massive creature made of black fog blocks their path. It dissipates, but they know what they saw. Vox tells Alan about Beau, and he suggests she try to contact him. Unsure how to do that, she goes to sleep, and has another nightmare, worse than the others. Just when she thinks she's about to die, she is pulled to the surface of a dark sea by the Dream King, who spears the nightmare in the waters below. She wakes. She dreams of him again, on the dark shore. He names her as Vox, and she names him as the Dream King. He shows her images of the quiet place, and of Beau, driven to distraction by the loss of Vox's voice— He goes to the Dream King, who suggests hunting for the pieces of her voice in the Forest of Whispers. Bo steals the Dream King's crown before he goes, to force him to look after Vox in his absence. The Dream King offers her up to the Nightmares for a while out of spite, but one of them tries to snuff her out, and he is forced to slay it. Bo is missing and in trouble. Would the Nightmare dare to kill Vox otherwise? The Dream King warns her to take care. She promises to explain everything soon. Man, so like... Man, Yeah. If the story had ended on why the stars shine, which seems to have been like the original intended ending. Yeah, intended ending. Even though there would still be the ambiguity of like, oh, does Box survive her surgery? Does everything go okay? If she had never posted again, it would feel final. When I first read it, I didn't really think the story, the way it ends, I didn't really think about it as like a non ending. I saw, like, the archival notes after I had read it through, because I didn't read that first. I just, like, Mm -hmm. just didn't read that. I was like, whatever. Let me see the story. (laughs) And then it wasn't until, like, I started sharing it with people, that were people like, oh, like, you were like, oh, it's sad this isn't finished. And, like, Roma and other people were like, like, I was like, oh, this is, like, more open-ended, because, like... And then, like, reading it this time, it feels like such, like, a resignation to what's happening. Like, the the whole fi- the final line of what we have is, like, uh, thank you for trying to help me. It's just so heavy. It feels like there is supposed to be more. And the fact that there isn't, it, it just hits somewhere. It does feel like it should have ended with The Stars Love You. Like, it recontextualizes, like, Bo as this figure like, this complicated figure in her life and stuff. But then she comes back, and she has, like, this, like, really vibrant energy about the story she's sharing again, and she's, like, talking about her health and stuff. And it feels like there's, like, a, like, it's going to ramp up again. I mean, yeah, because this is obviously the beginning of an arc. She has this interaction with the Dream King, and, like, she she even says that there's more to this story that she hasn't typed up yet, and she's going to share it. And it never appears. She's like, oh, I've had this breakthrough, I've written all of this down and stuff, and then, like, it just drops. And she's like, oh, I think he's dead. And this really, like, flat effect, basically, like, via the text, the way she writes normally. It's a very short sentence. And then it's like... Does she say that she thinks he's dead? Yeah, yeah, like, let me read it. I think I've copied it down. Maybe this is, like, from, um, something that wasn't collected into the Creepypasta wiki? Okay, so what this is, is called the post script in the archive, Mm. and it's a PNG, and it's not, it hasn't been, for whatever reason, it's not on the creepypasta wiki, and it's an anonymous on 90310, um, saying, I really wanted to know what happened after the third chunk of King Bo series. If Vox was a troll, her greatest move was never coming back and never finishing such an awesome story. To my knowledge, anyone got anything after the third bit? And then an anonymous replies. It's not Vox's like tagged thing. So, it, like, it. it's just, like presumed. Oh, her, her, her trip code? Yeah. It's just presumed to be her by the archivist based on sort of like the tone and style of posting. So, it's not in the Creepypasta wiki because it's not appropriately tagged. But it says, I never came back because there wasn't much more to tell. I think Bo died. There are no more stories because they came from Bo, and he's gone now. He was angry and hurt the last time he came to me. He said that the darkness was leaking into the quiet place, and that his hunters were tired of him. He didn't smile anymore, and he only spoke with one voice, and it was very quiet. I'm sorry there isn't more, but thank you to everyone who tried to help me. That sounds like a game-jacker to me, frankly. Yeah. Vox has consistently used this of code, there's no reason why she shouldn't. And the sentences are very short, and she doesn't normally write like that. It has this weight to it that I had assumed it was a part of the original story, like, here's a big downer ending for your hyper-dark fantasy (laughs) surrealism. Because she builds up so much stuff in the earlier like she she has a continuous narrative. I I feel like it's really clear that she has more that she was going to share and and just doesn't come back. Author Vox either got burnt out on the story, decided die. she didn't like the direction that it was going in, or died. Yeah. Which is like, you know, cuz sometimes people just die just on the internet. Die. Are related ish no if you're like a reddit user right now and you have something you like on that thing you should be archiving that right now yeah absolutely like i i need to go and grab some like some better archive stuff for mother horse eyes right now oh my god yeah if reddit goes down (laughs) (laughs) what happens to mother horse eyes it's just archived poorly elsewhere and there's, like, red exclusive stuff. Yeah, it is, it is not archived in a complete way. Oh! Yeah. Oh, and this isn't either. There's also, like, along with this one, there's part four, I think, which it might be part of, like, the end of Things Have Gone Strange, the start of the Dream King, maybe? Or, like, what are part four Yeah, there's, there's a yeah. Whole part that is, like, not preserved in HTML, I'm pretty sure. Because people just didn't request it because they were having like weird little internet beefs instead on it, so people just like (laughs) let the thread die. And this read through, because I was reading like the HTML like screen cap stuff, what made the story really feel like this read through is that like the X board people were having like a stream of consciousness thought of like every X board thought that ever crossed anyone's mind in the story, (laughs) and then Fox would occasionally walk in. Share like on the stage spotlight, share this like this fairy tale and then leave, and then the stream of consciousness would return. (laughs) A close like nothing like related to the story she's telling, but people are still like in this space, like waiting for her. It's a really interesting tone. Yeah, people were really captivated by her. Look, we we even had someone who someone who follows you or, yeah. or someone in your mutuals or something comment about yeah. that. Like, oh my god, I like I I didn't think anybody remembered this story. I remember reading this on 4chan on Xboard when I was a kid. Yeah, like, like being there as it was like populating. I think maybe part of it, like thinking about it, it may the thing about 4chan is that like even though especially 4chan like around this time mm-hmm. is that like I think of people on 4chan as having been adults and, and being adults because, like, people who were on 4chan at that time were, like, my age and your age. Yeah. But, like, at the time, they were, like, middle through high school through, like, early college age, yeah. actually. Yeah. And, like, of course there's some old so, people. So, like, yeah, of course this, like, this YA, like, middle grade coded fucking kind of story that's, like, pretty good is going to, like, really land with this demographic. It's that nostalgia. It hits so many of those things that people like look for without knowing, like what they're looking for. It lets them be sort of like involved too. There's like a light level of engagement you won't get from like a book because you're like kind of helping and stuff. But there's nothing being like asked of you, really. Yeah, it's it's the participation. That's one of the keys of online horror is the ability to participate in it. That's, like, parasocial bonds, right? Yeah. There's, like, a, l- a lot of that happening. And, like, Vox gets, like, a lot of, like, nasty, expert be- a- Like, after the first, like, initial thread, everyone starts doing the usual, typical stuff you expect from these spaces. But <laughs> people are, like, using it as, like, a hangout space a lot, too. And they're like, hey, it's... Our girl Vox, Vox is back. Everyone, as though it's some sort of chat room, and they're just <laughs> waiting for like the admin to come back and like grace them with like words. Please. I I wonder if that's maybe part of it. Like feeling the the pressure of that was was part of what made it like kind of agonizing to work on. Yeah, I imagine because like her, her posts slowed down. Significantly, Like, she had that, like, couple-of-month gap, which may have been pre-planned, or may have been, like, her just not, not really want... knowing where the story was going from that point. It really made me want, like, a controlled space for the story. Like, an alternate reality where this was m- more in <laughs> a space where they could just post with some moderation. Like, if this was, like, a something awful thing, this would have been more controlled. I, I feel like something awful might have been more... Violent with this story than fortune ended up being because of that stricter control, right? Yeah, it would be a completely (laughs) different story and like a completely different like interaction with it. She does this thing that's pretty like exporty native, where she starts recapping the story as though she's going to like do a little wrap up or do like a upper jerk, and then she goes into the Prince of Bel Air wrap instead, and it's pretty good. What? It's towards the end more when they're like, "Hey, is there more?" and stuff like that, and she like recaps like the like the intro basically, like in that early part of Vox's update, right? Yeah, it's like post surgery, I think. Like I know what you're talking about her her wrap up portion, but like I I can't think of the it part might where she not would be in the way safe Prince of Bel Air because she's like doing a bit, but <laughs> it made me think like. Like, with Mother Horse Eyes, how, like, there was room, because it's Reddit, for him to, like, just do some word salad stuff. And, oh, here it is. Vox says, When I was little, I had an imaginary friend named Bo. He said he was the king of the quiet place. He told me stories about his adventure. Some of them were cute, and some of them were a little disturbing. I'm going to tell them to you as I remember them told to me, or see them in my mind's eye. I don't know how true they are, and I've tried to clean some of them up so they make sense. The first story I'll tell you is all about how my life got flipped turned upside down. And I like to take a minute just <laughs> okay, to say Okay, yeah, I think, think they- the archivist did delete that from the segment because I think this person, because Del Parts was like, now nah, we don't need that. <laughs> I think it's fucking vital to the story because it rules. <laughs> it, it does add a little bit to Vox as a character yeah. that we haven't seen before, which is like, you know, having this very online sense of humor yeah like she belongs here is the thing and she's trying to like, tell a story <laughs> for here like it was <laughs> like post-surgery and stuff so i think she's allowed a little brevity. brevity yeah yes i i did notice like even before the surgery tone of the writing like sort of right after the part where we stopped i feel like the tone of the writing even when she's telling stories from Bo's like like bow fairy mm-hmm. tales. I feel like the tone of the writing has shifted a little bit away from that sort of like very kiddie like fairy tale tone in a in a way that surprised me. And that's why I remembered more when we were first going into it. I I wonder if this is intentional because also like the stories get longer and more detailed. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. Are, are we supposed to interpret this as like an awakening of Vox's? Memories I think that's as the intent. As she is focusing on them, or is it supposed to be, like, that she is um, adding her own craft like as like, a character to it? Or is it the Vox as an author losing control of the tone? See, that's really cool. Like, and we can't really tell because the story is so unfinished. Like, what if we engage as all three? Like, it's her, the author, the person, getting, like, a little too into it and forgetting, like, some goals she had. But it's also sort of like the story growing in this way. In a way, like the author vox seems like she's seeding ground a little bit to the character vox. Yeah. Or maybe the other way around. Yeah. Which which I think it becomes intentional but not the intent she starts out with. Cause then she's addressed yeah. by Vox by the Dream King. And it's like in this way she's making the story up. Like she's like on his level of dream crafting now. So he addresses her as this person who is doing this, like, she's become, like, this figure, and she's no longer, like, this person whose name is Sarah. Like, thinking about all the different threads that were sort of up front at the the start of the story, Mm -hmm. that feel like during this arc they should have come back and, like, been significant, like, yeah. The, the the maggot spit right like the like yeah what's his, his up with that hey vomit turning into like beetles and stuff come, come like, here and 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 she even brings up directly like hey this reminds me of the darkness in the moon story yeah. like <laughs> like he has been infested with some kind of dark whatever yeah going on inside him jamming his stuff up even before she loses her voice yeah, there's, like, stuff happening. Is his investment in her voice supposed to be something plot-relevant other than just his personal investment in her? Is, yeah. is something that it makes me wonder about. It has a really nice sort of, like, I don't know if plausible deniability is the right <laughs> term, but, like, <laughs> like are these things directly connected to her because he is, like, a thought form? He is, like, l- like a part of her psyche or whatever? Or is there, like a legit paranormal thing and at some point. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, these things don't need to be one or the other. But it's, like, presented in this way that we're supposed to unravel the mystery of that. Yeah, like, it's it's in the same sort of way, but on the opposite end of the spectrum as Mother Horse Eyes. Yeah. Right? Where it's like, no, this stuff is probably not literally happening. It probably is something that is going on in this person's tortured psyche, but that also does not preclude it from being this person's lived reality. Yeah, I was thinking, like, they're really easy stories to compare each other, even though they're, like, very different. So different. <laughs> yeah, they're, like, like, yeah, they're mega different. But, like, in that Mother Horse Eyes feels like a, a meat growth in, like, Reddit spaces. Like it, <laughs> like, it is, like, a full body cancer. While being about, like, a guy who is sort of just, like, being, like, burdened by his craft or whatever, you know? Versus, like, Vox and King Bo is, like, cancer for real, but the story itself is ha- treated as though it's at the mercy of, like, these waves of inspiration. Yeah, like, the the story itself is the bomb that Vox has against this, the cancer. Yeah. Versus the, the story being a burden on the Mother Horse Eyes guy. Which is interesting because of the way that the story does seem to be a burden to the real-life author of Vox. Yeah! (laughs) So, like, they become, like, something you can compare and contrast because they have these opposite cores to the story and just, like, opposite tones, like, opposite problems that mirror each other. This seems to be sort of like a... Like a strange healing fantasy for author Nick at, yeah. like, as he is writing this story while he is punishing the character of Nick. Whereas Boxing King Boo is like self harm. Like, yeah, the way that they end up being like so well mirrored to each other it's so uh, is, cool. is interesting. I think it was cool that Alan had a boyfriend. I, w- I also made a note of that. <laughs> like,. <laughs> Like whoa, unfortunately in 2010. Yeah. first off, he has a boyfriend. Love off, he's funny. <laughs> <laughs> like he's he's barely in the story. he just sort of shows up, but like what he's there, she flushed out enough to know that he's like funny. <laughs> yeah, because he's like, I need to call my boyfriend and she's like, oh, your small gay boyfriend's really gonna help for a situation. And he's like, okay fine, you, go call, <laughs> you you go call Bo then. <laughs> like <laughs> okay, that's funny. <laughs> Interacting with a lot of uh, slightly obscure web horror lately with surprise gays, haven't we? Yeah, it's nice. It's uh, like completely unrelated, completely different tone, completely different story. But hey, remember? I mean, honestly, not completely different. Remember, fucking Alley Cat, whatever that yeah. was. The, the yeah, the numbers that come after it. Yeah, and like, hey, there was <laughs> there were gay characters in that. <laughs> honestly, that series is not as like the series is bad. Not gonna lie. But, like, I've I seen that. worse. I'm uh, like, okay, in terms of graphic content, people are way overselling how yeah. bad it is. it reminds me, In yeah. terms of writing, yeah, it's, yeah, it's really bad. Bad, that's, like, mediocre regular style bad. There's a lot of mediocre regular <laughs> style bad out there. Hey, there's a yeah. series that's, like, moderately popular where they kill a dog in it. How is that? Yeah. How- <laughs> <laughs> like, you know what, I think I think the fake abortion, where you can obviously hear, like, the fake blood pouch crackling <laughs> as she squeezes it, is less bad yeah. than um, the one where they kill a dog. They kill a dog and endanger and a also, baby. And also, like, endanger a baby, yeah, oh, they oh, just oh, have a no, baby, ba- and they put it places. <laughs> what? <laughs> and it has no plot. And, the, like, this, the other thing is really poorly written, but there's, like, a plot, at least is so Like, Are the stupid goal. and offensive? Plot. Yeah, it's ta- it's it's totally offensive. <laughs> but <laughs> it's like edge lord bullshit, but like but it has a flaw. It's there. Like, yeah, like she was at least trying. She was obviously trying to like express something that like Yeah, that affects her body in the real world. Yeah. I respect her vision that she was like, "Okay, I want to tell a story that is about like body violence and i'm going to use my own naked body in this story to tell it like that's balls like, yeah it's probably written but that rules <laughs> listen <laughs> it's better like, I, when things i respect are... that infinitely more yeah. than any like director who decides i'm going to tell a story about violence using a woman's body exactly you know like <laughs> like every <laughs> like listen it's hard, because people, I think, instinctively want to, like, rank things in tiers of layers, but, like, stuff is more fluid than that. Like, yeah, yeah is, like, the Slender Core, like, much better produced and well-written and, like, sometimes more tastefully handled? Yeah. <laughs> but they still do what is, like, sexist, and, like, they're not often using their own bodies to express their levels of violence towards women and stuff. There's a lack of presence voice, there's a lack of um, autonomy to these women actors, and it's like, yeah, yeah this is- It's like, because most girls in Slenderverse are someone's girlfriend who got dragged into it or like an actress that they paid to be there. Yeah. Which like, is... who, who, who do not have any personal investment in the project. And like- Other than like Heather Dark Harvest, who like legit wants to be there yeah. and becomes like one of the main characters in the, yeah. in the back half of the She's... story. That's just a good series you you can't like say like well this is like much better than this one when that has like a serious problem even though like you have like a personal feeling to it cuz the writing and acting is like mid or below mid <laughs> and the story is like shocking like is habit eating a baby worse than a girl giving herself a coat hanger abortion yeah, yeah. It's One not is more graphic, but like it's more graphic there are like, equal levels of like poor production is the yeah, thing. <laughs> yeah. He's very obviously holding like a like a loaf of bread wrapped in a blanket. <laughs> she is very obviously um squeezing a blood pouch. You can hear it. Yeah. And it's like people's reaction to that feels more graphic because they have like being more grossed out about like certain anatomy and tasks than it is about being like m- morally offended or like if you're morally offended. I think it's also told- a little bit the fact that she is naked. Like yeah. that did startle people a lot that she was like posting her naked body. That really freaked people out. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I guess. It's- they were like, huh? The sexual violence plotline, and she's naked? <laughs> A real, sort of stumbling <laughs> block for Which, people. It like, is kind of shocking when you compare it to other things in the in the Slenderverse. That's true. Like, it, that is a massive outlier. Despite but, like, where Slenderverse originated from and like sort of the themes it deals with overall, it is a little shocking to people when there's like direct <laughs> stuff referring to it. Yeah. Hey, to tie this back to Vox and King Bo, um, yeah. during, like, the latter half, Sun writes a really lengthy smut scene in the... <laughs> Vox mentions that and yeah, says, she's like, like, yeah, that gave me a laugh. Okay, yeah. fine. Yeah. Like, but also, fly, okay, but how- the comment that she makes about it is so fucking funny. Okay, she's she's, like... Like, oh, I, I, I wouldn't fuck Bo because I've known him since I was a child and he's a bad person and it has nothing to do with the fact that he's like an inhuman monster. Like yeah. if not for the fact that she has known him her whole life, she would fuck Bo. I love that. I love that about Vox. Listen, <laughs> she sees the Dream King and it's odd. Like she's like Right. Oh my god. Oh my god. Even before she sees the Dream King herself, she can't help herself yeah. from describing how ethereally beautiful he is in Bo's story about him. Like <laughs> It's so funny, which which has to piss Bo off, right? Like, like the under, like the underlying writing is that is really vain, really wants Fox's like uh, attention solely, but like, <laughs> like she's, like he, he he blew that. He he jumped a gun. He got in there too early. Now she's like not interested in him, and he's kind of like a jerk. But like, <laughs> like the way that it's set up, like knowing what I know about like paranormal romance yeah. kind of YA core stuff this feels like the setup of your average like love triangle paranormal yeah, romance right it does. where there is the the dark bad boy <laughs> who is like too intense for the main character but is like so important to her and then there's like the ethereal perfect one who is like the the one that we're supposed to, you know, lightly root for for her until the bad boy can prove that he deserves her. It is set up exactly like yeah. that. It's so interesting. Twilight wants what this has. <laughs> like, and, like, we can imagine where this would have gone, maybe, in some way. And we could introduce the Dream King War, Even though he sort of, like, was torturing her in a way out of, like, uh, monster spite... His first, like, physical act towards her is, like, saving her and rescuing her and showing her that she doesn't actually need Bo to do this, while Bo is on, like, a fool's errand to, like, like get scraps from her. There's, like, a lot of intimacy and, like, fear around hands in the story that I thought was really interesting. Oh my god, like, the hand-touching scenes, like, there's two discreet, like, okay. Yeah. The hand-touching scene on the bed when she's trying to basically reassure Bo and he you know, puts his hand over hers, and then the the reverse of that, where he, where the Dream King puts her hand yeah. over his. Yeah. Like, and Vox is really careful to say, like, I don't know what he was doing with, when he did that. What we know. Yeah, we know. As the audience. Like, yeah. We obviously know what the implication of this is because we just read the last yeah, part where, so- you know, she did that to Bo. And the Dream King has access to all of her, like, dreams and memories and Yeah, stuff. he's like, he's <laughs> doing that. He knows what he is doing. Bo is out of town. Because <laughs> <laughs> the whole story is about the idea of, like, monstrous love yeah not like cosmic or eldritch love the way that we have seen in a lot of other stories Mm -hmm. but literally monstrous human love and it's really nice in the story that she doesn't try to make like she doesn't like rationalize their behavior or her own like there's some stuff where you'd be like hey you're looking at a 10 you might need to take it down to like a a cool three i know you have like terminal (laughs) cancer and all but like and like it's nice that she doesn't like rationalize her, like, snapping at him or being afraid or running out of rooms or whatever. Because, like, those are human things that, that get to be framed against the monster stuff. And it lends itself really nicely to, like, that. She refers, or not directly, but, like, not super indirectly, calls Bo's possessiveness abusive. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah, it's really, like, yeah. The fact that there is this level of, like, self-awareness in this story, especially compared to, like, what you would expect for something that has this tone. Because, like, that is a major part of this type of mm-hmm. dark romantic fantasy or, like, paranormal romance fantasy. Like, oh, he just doesn't understand or, like, he, he can't help it. He's, like, a monster and, like, I'll make, like, it's like his way of showing affection. It's like, no, this is abusive and weird. He's an abusive and weird <laughs> little creature. Yeah, it's 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 like a way to signal that this person is like powerful and dangerous, which is sexy, but also like that you can fix him. Yeah, like she has no like interest in doing that. Even though like this is obviously like like a romantic story, she does not shy away from it being sinister in the way that it is yeah it's really nice it's really refreshing like not a lot of stuff goes there which makes the story feel like limp if you're doing this sort of thing then like why omit the thing that you're clearly like doing you know or like when she brings up she compares her fear of Bo when he's being threatening to her with like an anecdote about being afraid of like sexual violence yeah like like She she basically says, my level of panic was like when I thought I was going to be raped and murdered by drunk soldiers. That lands so heavily because she sort of tiptoed around this sexual violence implication, which is like, has been there and is there really commonly in stories like this. And it is interesting how automatically we read into this as a romantic narrative, like Vox doesn't really confirm or deny outside of being like, yeah, it'd be weird to fuck him. But, like, because we know how this kind of story is supposed to work, like, the pursuit, uh, the, like, abusive behavior, the age gap, the fact that this is a narrative that's so baked into our culture, it's sort of hard not to be like, oh, of course it was meant to be romantic. Yeah, and, like, it gets, like, dressed up as Dubcon or whatever, like, okay, as long as the protagonist is okay with it. But like she's like, <laughs> or CNC. Yeah, or, like role play or whatever. But like she's making this clear, like line of like he invades her privacy and has lots of like power over her. Like when she's vulnerable, and and she yells at him specifically because she believes that the only reason he is here is because she is vulnerable and he's trying to take advantage of her. Yeah, and like he attempts to reject that notion. Like where was he prior to like like the like the facts that we have are like that though. Like, why else would he be here if she wasn't, you know? I think the answer to that was supposed to have come in the later parts Mm -hmm. that never ended up being posted. Because Bo is really obviously in some kind of trouble himself Unrelated yeah. to Bo, he is. I mean, unrelated to Vox. I get their names mixed up all the time because they have like the Very same shortness. Yeah, like unrelated to Vox. He he's throwing up bugs. He has this level of desperation for her voice. He's like an injured animal, and he he's coming back to like, hey, I, I need help. I need like a really strong voice, and you're like dying. that kind of blows. I can't believe you did this to me. As the vibe of it. <laughs> Unless, like, yeah. I'm here to collect his or week, and, like, Vox is too, like... I think there's an interesting sort of mirroring of both characters. Like what you said, like, you mix their names up, and Vox has a very sort of, like, sharp monster tone compared to Bo, which is, like, a-, a pretty name. And, like, yeah. Vox is, like, oh, he's self-centered, he's, like, arrogant, he travels with a place. Well, she's moved around a lot, and she hasn't once decentered the story around herself the entire time. Well, I mean, like around Bo, who is in some ways like an aspect, yeah, of her, yeah. Like, they're they're sort of orbiting around one another. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's- it that that also sort of brings up something that I that I noticed, which is like even though Bo is in love with the moon, and the moon is supposed to be this like significant figure in his life. Mm-hmm. Vox does not like. She goes out of her way, even when she has never seen the Dream King before, to describe him and like moon over him. Yeah. But she does not describe the moon very much. She tries to avoid talking about the moon. It seems yeah, like it's, whenever she can. That's interesting. There's there's a handful of of references to her, but she has sort of crafted this story where th- her protector character is not allowed to be with the person that he loves. And I had, like, I don't remember if this was speculation that I saw from somewhere else or something that sort of, like, coalesced in my mind. Mm-hmm. I felt like I remembered there being, like, an implication that she was somehow, like, related to moon oh. stuff in some way. Like, that that she was some kind of, like, you know, had, had some moon avatar shit going on or something. I feel like that's... Something that I just saw some speculation about, but... I had remembered a bit more of the story, but it must have just been people, like, talking about, like, theory-crafting Yeah, just theory-crafting. Because, like, okay, there's, like, the- okay, the worm- when he goes off to the- I thought there was more to the Whispering Forest, so when I got there, I was like, oh, this is it? Yeah. Like, first off, what's up with that- cr- the, cre- the creature that, who looks like Vox, right, he takes the shape of Vox and then becomes worms and stuff? Like, that really stuck with me. I think mostly because I'm afraid of, like, <laughs> doppelgangers and stuff. Like, hey, what was up with any of that? Worms are related to the darkness in this thematic mm-hmm. way. Like, the worms grow into the, like, beetles, like, the dark beetles. And they're what has, like, invaded Bo, like, his physical mm-hmm. body. The worms, like, invade the the dream fields. It It reminded me a little bit of, like... Worms in an awful hospital. Yeah, for some reason? very like similar concept. I wonder if they're brought. I wonder if they're both drawing from some source material we're unfamiliar with. It it may just be like like a general like cultural context. Because like you know like worms parasites. Yeah, the worms crawl in and the worms crawl out. Yeah, it's like like they're like yeah like when like parasites it's also like maggots and stuff. Yeah, like the, decay. the the idea of the worm as like yeah, like decay. The idea of it as like a lowly creature or a parasitic creature. We get really early on. And the thing is that King Bo tells her that he does go out by himself to like snip a little a little voice here and there, but only when there's no moon out, right? And then we get sort of, like, the moon, the light is, like, related to his consciousness. And he says, well, he promises his hunters he'll never make them go do the stuff the bad king does. But as the story goes on, we learn that he does actually make them go hunt for himself while he, like, chills in his throne room and, like, is bored and, like, thrashing and stuff. Yeah. So, like, and, like, and he does, like, hunt by the moon box. Where he's like, oh, yeah, it's the wolf moon today or the hunter moon or whatever. And he's very much, like, there and stuff, so it's like the slayer of like folk hero making of himself. I think is what we get there. <laughs> the specific thing that the bad king did that Bo objected to the hunters doing is like taking children, like yeah. whole ass children, and bringing weird. them. Like taking taking like little snatches of things and like little treasures is what he sends the the hunters out to go do instead. It's not stated, but I think there's an implication that, like, the moon is the only creature who, like, manifests in our world full-time. She likes humans. She thinks it's good for humans not to be kidnapped by fake creatures. Which is why Bo is able to have some kind of, like, pity or protectiveness over humans. So he only steals or hurts them, like, a little. Yeah, it's just it just feels like, you know, like one thing is said and then we can get another one. <laughs> I I feel like that's that's more about like Fey rule kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. Like it's it's about like the really specific intricacy of that and not the principle of you shouldn't uh, hunt. Uh, uh. Because they're hunters. Their purpose is to hunt. Yeah, that's true. They'd be like ups they'd be like leading the stimuli. <laughs> excuse my <laughs> excuse my ignorance. <laughs> And because also, like, Bo, even though he is now the king, he started out as a hunter, and he fundamentally yeah, can't avoid that nature. He needs to go do stuff. He needs, like, recreation. <laughs> Related. So we get a line that's like, Bo looks like something is trying to be a person, not that he's particularly humanoid as an essence. Um, and we get, like, the description of the shadow creature that, like, they almost ram their car into. And it's like yeah. on thin legs and has like a super wide smile as you do. And like that <laughs> But it's on like fours. Yeah, it's on fours. Which is how he teaches Vox how to hunt, like on the tips of her toes and stuff and to crawl around yeah. like that. So we can probably surmise that's what Bo used to look like before he's doing this bit he's doing. I think Oh, like like before he he got like moon touched? Yeah, moon touched and is trying to appear like humane. Is that he's probably like that shape instead? It seems implied that, I mean, because the moon is a benevolent creature. Like, she is sort of the only creature that we encounter mm-hmm. that seems to feel full human emotion without it being like distorted through the lens of this monster thing like the moon is sort of the closest thing to a human that we see throughout the the whole sort of pantheon of of monster creatures right that sort of association with like the moon as being like emotional or human in Mm -hmm. some way is also like a cultural holdover i think yeah it's like a it's a really common thing that people go do people like the relation people have to like the pale luna story even though like the moon isn't like a physical person in it it feels physical you know i don't think i am familiar with oh you should read that oh i don't spoil that one to you then you should read that one <laughs> I, I i know i've heard you talk about it but i just have not um, it's pretty read it myself. i think i think you would li- uh uh i won't assign liking but i think you'd appreciate it <laughs> it has a, a, an intersection of things yeah, I'll I'll mark it down for yeah. some reading at some point. What I was going to say is that since the moon is sort of related to humanity mm-hmm. in some way, like spiritually, mm-hmm. that this is the thing that makes Bo closer to humanity. Yeah. Like it like he has like a shard of her up in him. And I think the wording of that stuff is interesting, like it like it's I guess willingly given, but he does take you know I mean like like it's granted to this exchange but he also now has like the moon's strength and the moon's swiftness and the moon's like whatever okay that that part with the moon is like he's full of the beetles right like and the beetles took his strength right uh he he's not full of beetles he he gives his strength to the beetles yeah but like the or or he gives his he gives something to the beetles He's only full of beetles later when he starts puking in Vox's room, and that's like a plot thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm I'm just connecting these these things together like loosely. Like, like he gives up that stuff and he gets that back from the moon, but now he's full of beetles, and like, what does that necessarily like mean? The way that I take it is that it's like a symptom of like his darkness poisoning that's going on. Mm. Yeah, beals just, like, a representative of, like, like, live there. So, like, of course, they would spawn inside him. Yeah, they are just, like, a dark entity that, like, sh- that Vox is able to use as a shorthand for, like, these are dark creatures and they are inside of him. Ah. He's him bad takeout from the dark world. <laughs> <I'm> totally upset. <laughs> or the other reading I think you're getting at is that, like, his affection for Vox is weakening his moon powers, Which maybe ties into why he's so desperate to get her voice. Beau's character throughout this is interesting in the way that it kind of develops over time, right? Mm -hmm. Because part of his thing is that he has to present himself as straightforwardly a monster, a beast, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That is part of his self-image and his reputation. So, like, even when he is doing a good thing and knows that he's doing a good thing and cares about this little boy, he has to present himself as being, like, well, I didn't actually care about these children. I was just protecting my territory. Yeah, it's really tough. Like, I'm actually big and scary and evil. Yeah, it's really charming. Like, (laughs) like, I keep wanting to, like, present, like, a a counter-narrative to, like, his story stuff. Because I think that's like, I personally think that's interesting. But he does, like a lot of fronting when he's sort of, like, soft. He's a little soft guy. And, like, it's interesting that um, Vox doesn't meet his softness until it's like, oh, I-, I might have overstepped a thing by being, like, really mean to him. I also think it's interesting that the thread doesn't completely turn on her when she's being, like, mean, which is surprising because <laughs> the level of sexism is uh, might warrant a warning. I I think it's because she has done a really good job of presenting him as this like ambivalent figure, and she is the hero of the story, yeah. even though Bo has been the main character in a lot of ways. Yeah, like she is she is the story, she is the voice. Yeah, so like she's allowed to yell him all she wants, <laughs> but also like she does not give Beau the the leeway, or like. Interpret the things that he does as soft or kind. She sort of writes him and the other creatures off as being like, well, whatever, they're creatures, which is really interesting. Yeah. Like, even when she acknowledges something as being kind, there's like a level of her knowing that's sort of like a-, a creature is doing this because it has some sort of like creature need and not some sort of, like, genuine human kindness or whatever. <laughs> well, I mean, like, that is at least her take on it. Yeah. Because interest- we have no way of knowing as the audience one way or the other. It is interesting, because, like, we have evidence that we could argue to the contrary mm-hmm. in Bo's actions. Like, the fact that he is capable of loving the moon yeah. in the first place yeah. shows that he is more than just, like, a creature. And, and similar thing for... For the Dream King, right? Like their relationship to the moon, who is close to humanity, is this representative of softness and emotion, but also power mm-hmm. like incredible power. Mm-hmm. It vindicates them a little bit. Like it proves that they are not as sort of one dimensional acting on like instinct or whatever as Vox sort of presents them yeah, as it's being. That's really interesting that she's the one who bring like, she's the one who has them, like, that while presenting them as, like, their stories in that way, you know? Because, like, yeah. other unreliable yeah. narrator sort of stuff would, like, really lean heavily into, like, Vox's point of view only for, like, the contrary to be revealed in the last hour or whatever. <laughs> but we have sort of, like, that there while her, like, opinion is overall, you know? Like, she is unreliable because she is so opinionated and so voicey, and because she is the author, she mm-hmm. is able to choose the bias. Oh, that's really cool, thinking about it. Like, there's a story, like, the text of the story, and she is taking that story and, like, applying it, you know? And it's, it has a really cool texture. Because cause her, her perspective of, like, oh, I knew that the Dream King wouldn't feel shame or, or like how would regret you know for what he did because he's not human. When, like, that's a thing that a human could, like, you know... Not feel. Rationalize to themselves. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, that th- they did something that was, like, technically bad, but they don't feel bad about it because they feel like they were justified. Yeah, it's like, right? these are still human like, traits. That, that doesn't preclude him yeah. being... This this is, like, a wall that she is intentionally putting up. Yeah. Which is really interesting. Yeah, like like, any sort of, like, machinations or like or whatever she's projecting are still like human traits like there's human traits like she's picking because we also see Bo expressing this level of tenderness that she pushes really hard back against yeah it's like because she hates him in a way and she wants to reject his influence over her like he tells her the the star story. Yeah. He he does this whole like even though he is like an asshole yeah. and, and a creepy monster man, <laughs> like she it cannot can accept like she has this very black and white view of him. Yeah. Where she has trouble accepting that he may feel any kind of tenderness towards her. Like, and like instead of being like, Well, he's having trouble expressing it because he's doing it through like a different lens than me. It's like, on one hand it's cool to just be like, no, it's like not an okay period, because like, yeah, it's not okay period. Yeah. But at the same time, yeah. it's like it's like this really interesting choice to have her be this rigid. The fact that it has to be like, this isn't okay period because he's like an irredeemable evil monster man yeah. who is not capable of feeling love. And not the the idea that like, well he loves me and also this isn't okay. It's the correct answer to the wrong amount of things <laughs> she's thinking of. And there's something, there's something to, like, she, like, sees a little bit of her life as she goes on. I brought it up a little bit earlier, but, like, the fact that her mom traveled, like, moved around a lot, which is really unusual for a practicing doctor, right? I think that's unusual. And then she doesn't bring up her dad very often, even though he's, like, Christmas and holidays, everything was fine. And she doesn't talk about. Yeah, look, the, oh, I saw him every weekend. Yeah, so whatever. <laughs> and she doesn't really talk about the ramification of the divorce, which I think is sort of strange. I mean, because I guess it happened before she was born. She has no frame of reference for it. Still, yeah, but still it would impact her life. She she grew up with a time period yeah. that would still impact people's lives, I think. And, like, divorce us now. But yeah. Like, like she, she spends very little time on any of her guy relatives. Like Yeah. Like, she talks about her I uncle. I forgot that she even had a brother until she brings him up really, really briefly. She exactly. She never mentions yeah. her dad. The only one she talks about is, is yeah, is is, is her, her uncle. uncle who is connected to Bo memories. Yeah, she talks about him in the frame of being betrayed because he has, like, forced a wedge between her and Bo and also has picked this monster over, like, her in this way. And, like, in her brother's in that section, too, and it's also sort of like, oh, they don't believe me. They think I'm, like, silly and making stuff up, and they also have betrayed my trust, so now I'm going to take it out on Bo, and I have now isolated myself further because I don't have this connection. I mean, like, I don't know what to make of it because the story is not
1: complete. Finished, yeah, if it, it had makes gone
0: speculation to of the it. point where it was supposed to end up, that's something that we could analyze fully. But, like, there was so much stuff that I feel like must have come back up later and been completed. So, like, it's not fair to yeah. look at it as it is now and try to derive Meaning, where the or anything. themes were going. Yeah. The ultimate, yeah. We could just talk about, like, the parts of it. Hey, if, if Vox is still alive and she listens to this podcast, what if you finished <laughs> your story? I think that's pretty dope. Like, <laughs> like, what if you came back and you were, like, Hey, I was going to finish my story, and I've spent the last thirteen years uh, in in a coma. <laughs> what anyway, if, here's what happened. What, <laughs> if, what if you gave the podcast an exclusive <laughs> end of the story? <laughs> whatever, you can just <laughs> you just upload it to the podcast. Just like <laughs> just synergy. The amber thing really stuck in my head. First off, like, amber alert. Like, there's that tone to <laughs> it. But the, yeah. the monster thing really stuck in my head because, like, now every time I look for... A bit ago, I was looking at doctors, and someone looked, like, remarkably like a description of the monster. And I had forgotten a lot of Vox and King Bo, like, deferment like, paragraphs and lines. I forgot. And I was like, oh, this is, like, that part in Vox and King Bo where... This person isn't a real person. And then I went back later and that listing was gone. So so I think they're out there. What? Like, like I was looking at, like, doctors.com or whatever for mental health things. And there was this, like, listing of a person listing, like, different, like, you know those sites where they list, like, I do this and this therapy and this and this, and here's my... I I feel like I know what listing you're talking about. Yeah. Because you've mentioned that, because this person does, like, Crystals and Reiki and stuff that is advertising on like actual like like sites for actual doctors. Yeah, and they had a very sort of uncanny valley to use that you know sort of face (laughs) going on, and like there's obvious reasons why like would be taken down, but like I also like the option of it being a thing that eats people's minds or whatever, (laughs) being like a honeypot monster. Yeah. I don't think Amber was a monster is the thing. I guess, fine. I th- I think Bo is just being a jerk. <laughs> that's all That's ultimately much funnier. <laughs> Cuz Bo wanted to convince Vox to do stuff and to like hang out and like, "Hey, teehee, let's let's play Hunters together." So, like, having the excuse of, like, your uncle's girlfriend is totally a monster, and that's why you don't like her. You're so smart, Fox. Let's steal from her. (laughs) (laughs) Sam bought that. That would work on me. (laughs) (laughs) Another segment that I haven't added for, there's a line in the story that, like, it's like looking into your kitchen and seeing the Easter Bunny, I think, in relation to seeing... (laughs) Yeah, Bo doing something, and, and yeah, he was—he was just like hanging out, just chilling in her in her house. One time, like someone broke into my house dressed in an Easter bunny costume, <laughs> and I do—I—I I, I think I recall this memory every time I read the story. So it's like coupled in my mind. D- did they do anything? Did they uh, leave when you saw them? Well, I was like four or something. And I like woke my parents up, like, hey, the Easter Bunny's here, and it was like, Easter, they're like, yeah, that's the point, or whatever they said. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going back to bed. And then we got up in the morning, and what I distinctly remember, the place was like ransacked. And what I distinctly <coughs> remember is that the silverware had been taken out of like, the drawer thing and flipped upside down, so there was like, silverware all over the place, and the thing was upside down. And like the look on their faces, and that's what I recall of that situation. <laughs> I think that was Bo <laughs> Bo is real guys <laughs> the the thing that that made me think of was Donnie Darko though the uh, yeah. like an Easter Bunny standing in your kitchen like that's yeah. just what I picture you know like a dark and fucked up Easter Bunny is, is, the, is the Donnie Darko guy I got like Donnie Darko but Frank? I was like f- yeah I was like franked but I was like four so it wasn't an interesting movie Also, like a fun thing that happened in between recording the last episode and this one is that we both fell down the dungeon messy derangement pit. Oh my god!
1: Which is right now.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you should be reading dungeon dungeon messy. Wow, but also like (laughs) tone wise, it also feels very similar. Yeah. Like, pretty well matched to this. Like, Leos and Bo are the <laughs> same guy. They're crafted out of the same essence. Or just like, it's really nice, you know? Just a guy with something wrong with him. Like, them. Even, even down to like design wise. Yeah. The most fucked up man in the world would be like really pale. Yeah. <laughs> just designing a guy who's like fucked up and blonde. Oh man, Michael fucking got my ass last night because what he is? was like, "Oh, I, I saw you on the page for Vox and King Bo," and I was like, uh-huh. "Oh, for, like for for, for like point two seconds, I thought, isn't that the character from your story?" And I had to be like, "Oh fuck." He is also, like, like a weird monster man oh. named Bo. He has white hair. Fuck. Yeah. I, <laughs> I had always assumed it was sort of, like, an outpouring of the No! Like, <laughs> not, no! It just, listen. There's, like, like, a Thrum. People just want, like, a <laughs> pale little guy who has, like, who, whose wants, whose needs are, like, make this, like, warp the story around him. <laughs> and, like, it's just, what's the girlies want? Like, there there are a lot of similarities, but I swear to God they are not intentional. I'm pretty sure you've had him prior to you reading the story. Anyway. I don't think so, because I, oh, I no. came up with the bow concept in 2019, because I was working at the gym. It was, like, summer 2019. Spring or summer, regardless. Um, And I'm pretty sure I read Bo in, like, Fall 2018? Something mm. like that? So, like, it was pretty recent, but it was, like, I, I, I was not even thinking about it at the time. It, it was, like, a deep in my mind, probably, because yeah, because I was like, oh, I'm going to do, like, a like, fairy tale kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, like... <laughs> but it has, like, a lot of different, like, internal goals that makes the story very different, I think. Like, it's obviously very different. It is a fundamentally different story, yeah. but it's like, oh, no, I... You know, I original character do not steal um, <laughs> Bo from Boxing and King bow Well, listen, design. like <laughs> if she's not gonna come back and do something, like, I think it's interesting that she makes a note that her stuff is copyrighted, but then like dies. Like, oh, where'd she go? <laughs> that is also not in the Creepy Castle oh. wiki. I don't think. Yeah, she's saying like, like I have copyright on this. Yeah, people kept urging her too because people kept like, I'm gonna write a book, movie, triathlon, or whatever. (laughs) And she's like, oh, I care enough about this that I've operated it, so why would I be a troll? She says to someone. But so, like, that makes her just dropping off even more mysterious. Like, yeah. It kind of makes me wonder if it didn't, if there wasn't, like, like, what happens a lot of times is people's stuff gets popular, and they're like, okay, cool, I'm gonna go make a blockbuster movie now for my internet posting. (laughs) And then it just like drops off because that falls through. Because, like, fucking duh, you stupid, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so that makes me wonder if that happened here. Oh, like if there was some kind of like book deal thing that happened. Yeah, it fell through and now someone else has like the rights or something. Or like. I mean, then again, like, think of like 90% of, of like fan fiction, right? Yeah. Because this in an. In... Even though it also is very obviously creepypasta, I feel like it owes so much of what makes it unique to mm-hmm. fanfiction style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely that tone. Vox may not be into fandom, mm-hmm. but it feels like there is a lot of, if not fandom itself, then at least the media that was being influenced by fandom for around this time, and the media that would go on to influence fandom like it's mm-hmm. it's like a convergent evolution if it is not a direct oh i like offshoot that a lot. yeah 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 like how many do you know that will just like suddenly end in the middle of like a like a plot arc or on a cliffhanger or something and pe- like because you're not making money or clout from it you know your life gets busy yeah like that might be the case more it feels more like the case i'm just like opening up cuz like that's what happens to, like, Nest Godzilla, or that's what happens to, like... <laughs> I'm not sure that's what happens to Dionysus' house. I'm not sure if I'm saying that correctly. But that might... But, like, it happens to, like, I don't know, Town. that's a podcast, but, like, like it's stuff, like, drops off pretty hardcore, because they think they're going to get, like, major dealios and stuff, and they pick their stuff back up later, and, like, oopsies, well, ignore all that. <laughs> it's just, like, people do that. And it was a really... Common phenomenon around this time. I'm. It's silly that I'm drawing so many blanks. All I can think of is Nespresso <laughs> this time, but like, <laughs> like people just did that. So I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if that's what happened here. But also, it does feel more like this is a project this person cares about and wouldn't just do that. Look like with with how much seems to have been threaded from the beginning. I think a big part of what we can read into it is like, you know, updates come really really fast at first. And then they slow down, and then they stop forever. We're going to get a resurgency. It's going to be like one of those things. Like it's going to be like a necro posting, like update. It's going to be like 2025. <laughs> it's going to be like the whole caboodle. We can hope. We can manifest this. Vox, if you were out there, your story is still loved and wanted. Yeah. People will remember it. People, like, graveyard clean this thing. They put new flowers on the the story. (laughs) They make sure it's, like, weeded and stuff. No one's throwing bottles on the ground. It's nice in here. Sort of related to that, like, the the investment that people get in this story. Like, it's really funny. I really, really love how people were, like, legit kind of arguing over the question of, like, whether both cares about her or loves her or, or, or whatever. Like, yeah, people are really invested. It, (laughs) like people really care about this question and they feel very strongly about it. And it reminds me of uh, like in, in like early Homestuck fandom, like I, cause I was, I was on Tumblr for the most part for Mm -hmm. like, I, I was never on something awful. I was never, I, I wasn't particularly like Chan savvy. Yeah. But, like, in, in Homestuck Made This World, right, he talks about because he had first-hand experience of something awful, <laughs> yeah. was like, going back through it archivally um, as part of uh, the reading, in these spheres, these sort of internet dude, mm-hmm. edgelord mm-hmm. spheres of something yeah. awful 4chan, they, at first, were very anti-fandom. like Like, oh, shipping is lame. Why? yeah uh, It's gay and Dumb. You Literally should play never slower. care about shipping. But like, yeah. the moment, the characters start getting interesting to people. Yeah, they are I fucking like... shipping. They are writing fan fiction. They are role playing with each other on oh the my fucking God. something awful thread. On like... something awful. Yeah. Like <laughs> <laughs> it's like like both these stories destabilize these spaces. <laughs> like there is universal appeal to this stuff. Shipping is not just for girls. But you need to. Do so much to like lower the guard of boys and men to get them to admit to being invested in into emotional a aims. ship. Yeah, yeah. And like, we yeah. can do into, it into that non-ironic aspect yeah. of fandom. They have to. They have to be ironic first, and you have to like not engage with their irony. You have to keep to your story, <laughs> and soon, soon that will crumble. It's just a facade. It's a facade. Is that? Facade. How you say that? <laughs> now you say that word it's a sod. it's a sod and it will crumble (laughs) oh hey related. related there's a part that really scares me in vox and king bell where she um calls her mom because she's having like that thing that she's having yeah oh my god the the yeah and that part really scares me. I I relate to that because sometimes I open my mouth and I'm not necessarily sure what is going to come out of it, <laughs> and so it's like a very comparable fear, I guess. Which like everyone I, I think feels so- that way in the extent, but you know, I mean, in a very like word salad sort of me way. <laughs> I I have a similar kind of like I've I've talked about how um, like my my father had like a degenerative. Uh, mm-hmm. Illness, and um, he lost his like speech and memory, mm-hmm. and so like any kind of discussion of aphasia or like memory mm-hmm. is like something that gets me in a yeah. in a certain way. Yeah. So like that. Because, like, because we don't, we're pretty sure it is not genetic, but we don't know for sure. And, like, oh, dementia so runs pretty bad on his side of the family. Yeah. And, like, I'm young. Like, I'm fine for now. Yeah. But it's, it's still something like, that I need to be, like, really careful about and, like, be, like, monitoring myself for. So, like, sometimes because of the problems that are in my brain that aren't, like, physical, like, like, the, the the mental illnesses, mm-hmm. I, I sometimes get like disoriented or confused and I have this like horrible fear of like, oh god, is it starting? And it's not. I just dissociate. <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah, it's like it's done in a really sort of like just matter of fact, this is what happened sort of way. And it really yeah. hits. It's really like, oh like that can happen to anyone. It, it feels very it authentic. You. Yes, yeah. I think it's cool that on one hand it's sort of like box is presented as someone who has like all these resources and all this money and all this like access and yet this is still a thing happening to her yeah that's scary too i think yeah because she's very well off like she's well off enough that she can just like get fucking brain surgery at the top of a hat get chemo not have to worry about paying for it leaves her job goes and lives with a friend on the beach like She's wealthy, wealthy. Yeah, so like, and yet these horrors are still happening to her and there's like nothing she can do about it. And like, okay, so what happens when you're not (laughs) wealthy like that? Yeah. You got like rich girl money and a a fantasy (laughs) monster protecting you. What happens when you have neither of those things? (laughs) It also this Sad that this story is is never going to finish. Because like, even even if it went the way of like a cucumber quest where like yeah. you know author comes back and is like, here's what I have planned for it, and I'm never gonna finish it, but here's what was going to happen. Still it'd be, be still something. be sad. It's like it'd be something, but still be sad. Like Yeah. But it'd be something, yeah. Like, but it, would, it, would, it would at least have closure. And I have yeah, to I wonder if that is intentionally done like if the oh. lack of closure is intentional because it comes right on the back of the thing that should end the story and then there's one more part that is supposed to bring us into a whole new arc and then it never finishes which is like that if it's if it's intentional i think that's kind of cool like i think that's like <laughs> The way there's so like incomplete stories. There's so many sort of like fairy tales who don't have like complete versions of, or like epics or whatever poems and stuff. And it's just like this is just like another thing that doesn't have an ending that just exists and like ephemeral. (laughs) Yeah, even with the ambiguity of the end of why the stars shine. Right, yeah, where she is just leaving the story off, and like you can speculate about whether she survived or blah blah blah. There's still a finality to it, it's like we are being left with a question to ponder, but the story as we know it is over and it's supposed to be over, and we can move on, yeah. It's like, and and we are deprived of that with it's the open, way that the yeah. It's just like, uh, constantly, and like. If it's intentional, like what does it mean to have like this open wound sort of of the story, Fox? If you're out there, <laughs> <laughs> it is it is interesting from an artistic perspective if it is intentional. Like the idea of doing that, because like it's it's not out of the realm of possibility for yeah. someone to do that. Yeah, I think like it it would be a believable and. A uh, really bold thing to have done, like to be like, okay, I'm gonna hype this it up and bye, peace. That's it. <laughs> yeah, which is also why I don't think that the thing is the other is like true canon. I that, that's the other reason I think why I think that person is a game jacker who is saying like I'm actually Bo died. <laughs> <laughs> oh really? Because like it, it, game it feels jackers, so though. opposite. Like it feels so the wrong to tone. the tone. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I, I wrote down that it felt really heavy in final, so if it was the thing, I would believe that it would be like uh, an appropriate final post. But like, you're <laughs> right, it, it does feel really like mismatchy to the thing. This is unrelated to the story, but more related to us. It's funny because like last season ending, uh, Elden Ring came out, and we were like, well, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, this would have been well, Elden Ring came out this is what, this is what you're getting, and then we were reading DM, like, in one sitting <laughs> yeah. when we were doing this, A- unable, <laughs> yeah, like, I'm barely able to focus on the story that we were supposed to be reading because we were in the throes of fucking Meshi. like, oh my god, you guys, you need to read Meshi. it's, so, it's so fucking good, it's so good, it updates soon, and like, the fact you you know we're serious with this is co- podcast because we're not just sitting there refreshing the the website with <laughs> updates. I have you've sent me like a preview kind of snapshot that someone posted somewhere yeah, so of I'm, of Mithran covered in goop, goop, which is exciting to see, Where's horrifying this goop come from? but exciting. Why is it gooped? Why do you have hey, this? What's going on? Yeah, like she posts <laughs> like. Uh, like she posts in betweens a lot that people like get up and clean yeah. and scan. So like, a hope like if it's not like in the manga, it's from somewhere. Then it's from somewhere. He <laughs> that's even worse than <laughs> if it's not actually in the manga. <laughs> it's her private Just for sp- her pr- <laughs> use. is are personal use. Your private collection. Ah, uh, you know that's you know it's like it's legit where it is. <laughs> go back up your stories on reddit While it's still Up I don't think reddit's going to go down That seems like it, uh not a thing That's probably possible I, I, I think it'll continue as like a shambling shell of itself Yeah, like, I don't think it's gonna die Yeah so it's It's simply going to bleed money for a while Yeah so extract your stories Stories you love from anonymous people People who might not be alive And put them in a zip folder or something. Uh, uh, <laughs> a UBS. A dongle. And leave it places. Don't do that. But like USB? save it in some way. USB? I don't know what I said. Literally the name of a character in a game that you ran for two I months. Did. Uh, UBS. I did. Th- yes. <laughs> oh, oops. That happens sometimes. <laughs> Acronyms are hard, guys. Hey gang, a little less formal once again because we are at the end of season two and now it's time for summer break. Book club is officially out of session. We will be reconvening on September 1st with some new stories and some old faces. We hope you all have a wonderful summer or winter. It's winter here. (laughs) And we love you and we're so excited to see you again soon. As always, thank you and good night.